0: If you have your Bible, let's go to Genesis chapter 12, uh, perhaps the most famous earthly human father in the Bible, we call him Father Abraham, and we're going to look at several different snapshots, uh, we're going to move quickly, but I just want to show you uh, some things about this, this guy named Abraham, he was Abram before he was brought in in the covenant promise with the Lord God Jehovah uh, Genesis 12, uh, we'll start with verse 14. We're going to look at some really highs for Abraham. We start with one of the not so kind pictures, verse 14. Uh, when Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarah was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw Sarah, they praised her to Pharaoh. And she was taken into his palace. Hey, Pharaoh, she's a looker. I think you might want her. Uh, he treated Abram well for her sake. And Abram acquired sheep, cattle, male, female, donkeys, male and female servants, camels. Verse 17, but the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. Okay, I'm going to stop there. I just want you to see that when Abram was scared that perhaps my wife is so good-looking that maybe Pharaoh will kill me instead of protecting his wife, what does he do? Uh, he kind of throws her under the bus and says, you know what? I'm fearful for me in my life. And he should have stepped up and protected his wife, and instead he goes along with and said, uh, yeah. She's not my wife. Now what's interesting is if you go to chapter 20 of Genesis, verses 1 to 3, the very same thing repeats itself. This guy named King Abimelech, uh, again, is attracted to Sarah and takes Sarah as his wife. And it's interesting that one more time, Abraham, instead of stepping up, and protecting uh, allows his wife to go and perhaps become the wife of Abimelech. I want you to understand. It's easy sometimes, men, instead of standing up and doing the hard thing, to letting our fear overwhelm us. And I just want you to know, uh, he, he didn't do so good when it came to protecting Sarah. Uh, Turn with me to chapter 16 in your Bible. We'll put it up here on the screen as well. Abe and Sarah um, have not been blessed with children. So Sarah comes up with this plan. Here we go, verse 1. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had born him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. She made slacks for everybody back then. And so she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Here's my idea, Abraham. Why don't you go sleep with my slave? Perhaps I can build a family through her. So let's just stop for a moment and ask the question, What should Abraham said at that point? Awful idea. That's the worst idea I've ever heard you come up with, Sarah. No, that's a bad plan, Sarah. But I think he wasn't thinking with his head. He he wasn't thinking with the Holy Spirit. He he was thinking in bad places, and he goes along with a very foolish plan. We we read on. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah's wife took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, gave her to her husband, to be his wife, he slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. That plan goes south in a hurry. You understand? Really bad. You, You weren't thinking you should have led, and instead of leading, you followed. Let's go to chapter 21, because the Lord does eventually bless Sarah, and here's what happens there, starting in verse 1. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he'd promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At that very time, God had promised him. Abram gave the, him the name Isaac to the son Abraham bore, bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, circumcised him, Sarah says, God brought me laughter. She added, who would have ever thought that me, 90-year-old woman, would be nursing this child? The child grew, was weaned, and on the day that Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. Sarah saw the one who Hagar, the Egyptian, had born, that would be Ishmael, was mocking. She says, get rid of that slave woman. Get rid of your son, Ishmael, for that woman's son will never share an inheritance with my son you see what that 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 foolish plan came to uh, uh, started with this idea Ishmael is born, and today to this day, the Arab people believe that Ishmael is their patriarch I, I, Ishmael is their father got that and the Jews believe no no. It would be Isaac. So to this day, you got Isaac and Ishmael, and they're at odds. If you think today, how are the Arabs and the Jews doing today, 2018? How's that going today? It's, it's, it's awful, and and the strife and the war between the offspring of Ishmael and the offspring of Isaac continues to this day. Understand, fathers, our choices oftentimes have lasting repercussions, okay? Um, Here's what we need to know, though. Here's the key. Give me your eyes. Abraham was far from being a perfect man. He was impatient. He took matters into his own hands. He, at times, was willing not to lead, but he followed. He, He was willing... To not protect, but willing to just go along and and not protect his wife, Sarah. The Lord used an imperfect, impatient, fearful father to raise up and mold his son Isaac. Okay? He was frail, he was irresponsible at times, but God chose him in all of his frailties and all of his insecurities to lead his chosen people, the nation of Israel. Here's what you need to understand. God still uses imperfect people to get his plans accomplished. Is that not good news? (laughs) Because you need to understand he, he uses people like us who are far from perfect dads and moms to mold and shape our sons and our daughters. Now Isaac's godly dad at times was very godly. But please understand, there were times he was far from a godly man. And he still is in the business of using imperfect people like me, like you. Now, I want to show you some better times for Abraham. If you have your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 22 or take your phone. Go to Genesis chapter 22. And we're going to stand and we're going to read out loud together verses 1 through 8. Genesis chapter 22. If you're able, let's stand and let's out loud declare God's word together. You ready? Here we go. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. On a mountain, I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We'll worship and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the water here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son, And the two of them went on together. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for giving us a really honest portrayal of Abraham. Thank you, Lord, that you show us the really good, godly, powerful times of faith. And thank you, Lord, that you also show us those times where he's impatient, where he's fearful, where he makes poor choices. Lord, that, that brings us hope. Because if you could use a man like that, you could use us. So speak to us today from the life of Abraham. Would you come in and speak loudly and clearly to us where we're at today? We're listening. We're ready to respond. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one strong voice, can be seated. Abraham understood <laughs> that this amazing gift that he received was a gift from God. Why? He was a hundred years old. Now, some of you who are over 50, just imagine now a hundred-year-old man married to a 90-year-old woman. Understand that, ladies? Uh, And you say in your head, 100-year-old men, 90-year-old women, they shouldn't expect children. Amen? Right? No, no, that's not the way it works. It was clear God had worked supernaturally. God had blessed them with a baby, and they clearly saw that this baby was God's gift to them. But here's what's interesting. Abraham was willing to to offer that gift back to the Lord if that's what the Lord wanted. It's kind of interesting. Here we go. We're going to read on verse 9. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there, arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. I'm going to pause for a moment. Verse 6 tells us that Isaac was more than just a baby or a toddler. How do we know that? Because if he's, you know, just like two or three, you kind of get it. But verse 6 says this child, this young man was big enough and old enough to carry the wood, enough wood to sacrifice either himself or a young ram. And if you'll think about two, three, four, five-year-olds, they're not going to carry much wood for very far. Do you understand? So uh, I'm suggesting to you, as do most commentators, that Isaac was instead more like 12, 13, 14-year-old. Make sense? And he was old enough to carry the wood, and he was old enough to know something's going on because I carried the wood. Now dad's asking me, to lay down on the wood, and he's tying me down. Tracking? And and I would just suggest to you, there's a really good chance that if Isaac didn't want to be caught by his 100-year-old father, dad couldn't catch him. I don't think, I don't think that, uh, that Isaac, if he didn't want to be caught, Abraham was no way going to be able to catch him and wrestle him to the ground at 100, this 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old son. But instead, here's what happened. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to Abraham from heaven, Abraham! Abraham, here I am, he replied, don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. Hebrews tells us, gives us a little more insight, that Abraham was thinking that if God could me give me at 100 and my wife Sarah at 90 a child, Hebrews tells us, hall of faith, then even if I bring the knife down, the Lord is going to heal him. The Lord will bring him back to life. That, that's the faith that Abraham had. And yet, he was willing to go through with it knowing that God was awesome and supernaturally gave him a child, and he'd already made the promise, then God is going to raise him back up because I know that I can trust God's promises. He was willing to act. He feared the Lord more than he feared obedience, doing something he really didn't understand. Now, if you were Isaac, how are you thinking right now? Track with me. You're Isaac, You're 12, 13, 14, 15, and you're bound, tied up. And you see dad raise the knife. Um, What are you thinking right now? I, I think you're probably thinking a lot of things. But after he sees the ram in the thicket, unties him, puts the lamb on the wood, suddenly now he knew, I have a dad who fears the Lord. I have a dad who's ready and willing to obey no matter what, I would suggest to you, this made a huge impression on Isaac. And don't miss what this picture points to. Track with me. Jesus Christ is our ram caught in the thicket. All of us, we've all been tied up by our sin, and we're the ones who deserve to be sacrificed and judged for our sin God should have judged us, but instead he took Jesus, uh, the perfect sinless lamb, and he was the one who was offered in our place. This picture is pointing to Jesus. So uh, fathers, moms, aunts, uncles, grandparents, students, singles here today, when people, when children, sons, daughters, look at your life, do they know that you fear the Lord and are ready to be obedient even when it's hard? Do they see that regularly in your life? Are, are they convinced watching you that you are someone who fears the Lord? Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know where smart starts? It's by saying, you know what? I realize that fearing and loving and doing it God's way is the most important thing in my life. Jesus said, Luke 12, I tell you, my friends, don't be afraid of those who kill the body, after that, can do no more. Fear him who, after killing the body, has the power to throw you into hell. We're afraid of a lot of things today. You know, some of us, we're afraid of the dark. I'm afraid of the IRS. I'm afraid of a tornado. I'm afraid that you just keep going. Uh, can I suggest to you, give me your eyes, that the one that we should be most fearful of is our Lord God Almighty of Jesus Christ, the judge. I'm afraid not to know and daily walk with Jesus. You know why? Because I know what it's like when I wander away, because I lived years and years far away from, I'm afraid not to walk with Jesus, because I know what the Lord had to do to wake me up. You understand? And what he had to do to get my attention, I say, you know what, Lord? Me and you. (laughs) I'm not going back there. By your grace, Lord, as you work in me, I'm not going over. I'm afraid not to live for you. What our children need to see in us—they're dying to see that we love the Lord more than anything else. One more event, and we're done. Go with me to uh, Genesis chapter 24, real quick. Genesis 24, 17:17 17, 17 tells us Isaac's mom was 90; Sarah was 90 when Isaac was born. 21:5, uh, Abraham was 100 when Isaac was born. Genesis 23:1 tells us Sarah lived to be 127 years old, okay? Uh, And Abraham was 10 years older, so if she's 127, how old is Abraham here? 137. So as we come into chapter 24, uh, Isaac is pushing 40, 37 plus, between 23 and 24. And dad, Abraham, is pushing 140, I would just suggest that's old by any standard, okay? Uh, and now it's time for his son Isaac to get married. Ready? Verse 1, chapter 24, uh, last thing we're going to look at. Now, Abraham was very old, <laughs> almost 140. The Lord had blessed him in every way. He says to his servant in the household, the one in charge of everything, put your hand under my thigh. Well, that's weird. This is the way they made promises in this day. You know, uh, we would write it down with a lawyer. This is how they made promises. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of the earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I am right now living. Swear instead, verse 4, that you'll go to my country, my own relatives, and get a wife for my son Isaac. Okay? Okay. With, with his dying breath, with his last amount of time and energy, Abraham's focus? I want my son to have a godly wife. I don't want him to have a wife who worship idols. I want him to have a wife from the area where I come from, and they're looking and worshiping Jehovah God, the God of the Bible. Swear to me that you won't let my son Mary, one of these Canaanites who, who are wanting to worship gods made of stone and wood and metal. Firm, resolute, and he makes them problems. If you slide down to verses 7 and 8, and that's exactly what happens. And the Lord blesses Abraham in, in his very last days. And he comes home with a daughter who loves the Lord from the area of Ur. So, here's my question. How does that apply to you and me? 4,000 years later, Israel's about 5,000 miles away. So that's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So how on earth does that apply to us? Give me your eyes. Dads, parents, grandparents, we have an obligation to stay active in our children's lives. And I'm just telling you, he's almost 40 but he was active and alive, and I realize our culture, parents don't typically choose husbands or wives for our children. And I would say, thank you, Lord, knowing my folks, I'm, I'm glad. But I want you to know they were active in the process. They were paying attention. And I would argue that we've drifted so much from that that pretty much we're now to the other extreme – Parents, we have almost no influence. We have no input, and our children are dating and courting people, and we have no clue what's going on. And I would argue we've gone way too far to the other extreme. Um, parents, <laughs> it's time to step up and parent. Dads, father. grow a backbone and realize while your children are living under your roof, your obligation is not to be their friend, your obligation is to be their dad. Which means sometimes they're not going to like all of your choices. They may not like the fact that you're insisting, excuse me, as long as you're living under our roof, no, you're not going to date little pagan Susie who wants nothing to do with Jesus? No, excuse me, that in our house, we're going to do it God's way, even if it's unpopular. And I'm just saying, my, my, I remember my kids, uh, whenever they announced to me that they were going to date someone, okay, when, when are we going to meet? When are we going to talk? Uh, you're, you're not going to date unless I know this person. And, and I would always say, what am I going to ask them? I'd say, tell me about you and Jesus. Susie, I want to hear about it. Uh, Bill, tell me about you and Jesus. And I'm all of. And it's not just don't just tell me that that you like Jesus. I want to hear that you love Jesus. You're living for Jesus. You're walking with Jesus. You're active uh, in the church of Jesus. Are you ready? Because because if you say you love Jesus and you're not active in the church, those two things don't go together. Because Jesus planned today to reach and change the world. Is his church, and guess what? Jesus died on the cross for his bride, which is what, his church, right? Yeah. And so, so don't don't give me that stuff. Oh, I love Jesus. We just don't go to church, okay? Well, you go and get active for a year or two, and you can come back and have another talk with this dad, okay? And then we'll talk some more. I'm just saying, uh, start early. If you got younger kids, this is where you start. Excuse me. In this house, we only date people who loved Jesus, who lived for Jesus, and who got some evidence to go along with those words, okay? Uh, I would encourage you to take some good stuff from Abraham, and that's exactly, he was about to die, and he didn't want Isaac just going out and picking amongst the Canaanites. He wanted to make certain that his son married a godly woman who loved the Lord. Let's follow that lead, y'all. Isaac's godly dad was very human. He had flaws. He had failures. Far from perfect. At times, he, he, he didn't do it God's way. Kind of uh, saved his own skin instead of his, his wife's. Went along with a really bad plan. But I also want you to know he was a man of faith. man ready to do it God's way. A lot of good things that we can learn from Father Abraham. Let's pray together as we close. Lord, thank you for the life and the example of Father Abraham. And I believe you gave us these verses for us to learn from. Learn the good stuff and also, Lord, to be warned about the bad places he went at times. I pray for each father here, for each wife, mother, mother, Grandmother, grandfather, aunt, uncle, friend, Lord, would you help us to learn from Abraham? And I pray, Lord, that we choose to be obedient and live in fear of not living for you. And I pray all of these things in the mighty name of your son, Jesus. Amen.